When I think of Easter, there's a lot of different things that come to my mind. You know, when you, you kind of, uh, they've commercialized it so much, and a lot of different things come into play with Easter. Um, I, I think of uh, Easter baskets are a pretty big thing. So uh, last night, we were really prepared ahead of time. I've been thinking about it for three and a half weeks. And then last night, we, I was at the store gathering the items for Bailey and Brooklyn's Easter basket. And uh, Natalie was getting the girls bathed and ready for bed. And I was out there with about 85 million other people uh, looking at bare shelves to try to find some delicious chocolates. And, uh, and so when you think of Easter, you think of colored eggs and baskets. You think of the Easter basket, crinkle grass that's like everywhere. They come in all different colors now, and um, you think of Peeps. Anybody Peeps fans out there? Okay. Um, then Reese. How many good reason? Now, so there's a lot of things. Now, also, some of you get your kids get a little bit older, and uh, they don't they don't want the Easter egg baskets, or or maybe they do, and you just don't want to give it to them. You're like, okay, you're like, come on now, you're 25. You know, do I really need to still give you Easter basket? Some of you saw this on social media this week, so a mom said, okay. The teenagers still want an Easter basket, so here you go. Cleaning supplies for your Easter basket. I think that's a great idea. So Bailey and Brooklyn, um, that's coming soon, and uh, so that's, that's a lot of fun there. Well, we know that Easter is, is not all about that. Um, we, we have actually celebrated that today. We, we know what Easter is all about. We know that it is the living hope, the Jesus Christ who came victorious over death, over the grave, over sin, and uh, now has that living hope for us today. So when we think about that as the church, really Easter Sunday and what we celebrate is not this just one time of year. This, this very fact that Jesus Christ is alive, that he became victorious over the grave, that very truth is the foundation of our belief system. You see, we don't, we don't believe in a, a dead God we don't try to awaken our God. We don't believe in some ancient text that is, uh, is, is contradicting itself. We don't believe in some secondary revelation that has come to some man thousands of years after God's word has been written. We take God literally for what he has said in his word, and we have faith to believe that, and we have therefore transformed lives to live that out. So when I think about this hope that we talk so often about at Easter, hope is a, uh, one of those words that comes out on a lot of us. In, a, in our home with two little girls, Bailey and Brooklyn, who are 10 and 7, uh, they talk about hoping a lot. So I hope we'll have fun tomorrow, or I hope we can have a dessert today. Hoping is not just a kid's thing. It happens with the adults too. So how many of you this weekend, you've been walking outside and you're like, I hope this weather lasts a really long time, right? It's been amazing weather this weekend. And you say, I hope this lasts a while. Or you say, I hope I get a promotion. Or uh, I hope this happens for me. Or some of you are thinking right now, I hope the ham turns out well this afternoon. Or some of you are also saying, I hope he doesn't preach very long. All right, I'm ready to go. So there's a lot of things as adults that we, we hope for. But here today, we know that this hope is, is one that's looking to the future. The word hope itself has this definition of always something that is to come, something that is certain to happen. In the noun sense, it is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Think about that when you use the word hope. Then hope in the sense of a verb is to look forward with desire and with reasonable confidence. So when you think of those definitions of what hope is, I, I really like how 
one of my Bible resources, a tool that I use for studying, uh, how it defines hope. Here's the definition. To trust in, to wait for, to look for, or desire something or someone. That's definitely the hope we're living out today. Or to expect something beneficial in the future. That's why we celebrate today because we have so much hope of something that is yet to come. The glorious day that we sang about. And that glorious day can happen, will happen, because of everything else that we sang about. And what we're going to speak of today is what Jesus Christ accomplished on our behalf. So that living hope is really where I want to park today for a little while. And I want to draw our attention to to some things here in Mark chapter 16. Would you take your Bible with me to Mark 16? If you don't have a Bible this morning, we will have the words on the screen so you can follow along with us from Mark 16. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8 in reading the account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that it's not just the church around the world that understands or talks about what Easter Sunday is about, the Resurrection Sunday. It was 13, uh, News Channel 13 this past Friday that posted a uh, blurb on their social media about Good Friday and about uh, Jesus Christ giving his life and dying on the cross. Today is that day where worldwide people understand, though they want to disguise Easter with the bunny and chocolates and marketing and commercialism, and they want to to shoo away the Christian belief, but many people understand what today is all about. It is a celebration, a recognition that Jesus Christ has come back to life. And in verse number one, it says, and when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, three ladies, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Verse number two, and very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. Verse number three and four, they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great, very heavy. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. And he saith unto them, be not affrighted, be not afraid, hold on ladies, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, but he is risen. He is not here. Behold, look at the place where they laid him. Verse number seven, but go your way, And tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. Verse number eight. And they went out quickly and they fled from the sepulcher for they trembled and they were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man for they were. And let's look together at the living hope, the living hope which we celebrate today. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, We thank you for what has been accomplished this morning through celebrating through song. And our attention has been drawn to you, but now we ask for you to calm our hearts and help us to hear from you today through the preaching of your word. I thank you for those who are in attendance today. This is not by accident or by by chance. This is by your sovereign direction. And so we gather as these people and we join together in listening to you. So I pray that you would give us the message from above and that you would keep 
uh, me hidden behind the cross. Don't allow me to distract from the gospel message. And I pray that the, the presentation of the love of Jesus Christ would impact hearts and lives that are seeking today for some sense of hope, something to change in their life. And so we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name, amen. So each of the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them will record the very fact that Jesus had come back to life and resurrected. They, none of them will give the specific details of the moment that it happened, but they do give the details surrounding it. And so before the women had even arrived at the tomb uh, where Jesus Christ had been buried, even before they had arrived, Jesus had risen from the dead. This had happened uh, before the break of dawn, and in our text, we see this, this great hope that is revealed by the details of what took place and the admonition to go and tell others about this truth. In the first section of these verses, hope was clearly seen by their commitment this hope was seen by the commitment through these women. And uh, verses 1 through 3, we saw that it was on the Sabbath, and, uh, or when the Sabbath was passed, that Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, they had brought the sweet spices and they, that they might make a, an anointment on Jesus. And it was very early in the morning, the first day of the week, when they came to the sepulcher. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And so there was great commitment on the part of these ladies. As soon as the darkness of the night was past, this, this band of holy women had traveled together with great purpose and great direction to accomplish something. They had it set in their mind, and their commitment was so evident by their sacrifice, the time of day. It was very early in the day. It was the first thing that they wanted to do, and their sacrifice showed their level of commitment. But not only their sacrifice, but also the, the fact that they were unified. They were unified together, not having their own agenda or their own plan, but they went together. And this holy band of women had in their mind a unity of spirit as well as passion. They were passionate. They were going, knowing that there was a heavy stone that needed to be moved. But they had some kind of thought that whatever was going to take place that needed to be done, when they got there, they would find a solution because their passion drove them, even to a point where they knew there was something impossible in front of them to remove this heavy stone from the sepulcher, but yet because they were unified in their mind, because they were sacrificial in their spirit, they were going to follow through with their commitment. And so when we come to this text, we see it just lived out, is that they, this hope was seen through this holy band of women through their commitment. We know what this commitment looks like. We know what passion looks like. All of us in here are connected to something. We're dedicated to something. Uh, some of you in here, you are, you are yard sale gurus, um, and you know the right spots to go to a yard sale. You know the ones that, even though they're advertising big, it's like, mm, no thanks, okay, because you know what they're going to have. So you know what time of day, what time of year, and you know where to go, and you share all that. How many of you would be honest, you're a yard sale guru out there, okay? Only a few of you are willing to be honest about that, okay? Uh, yeah, ladies, don't you guys do like the peaches to beaches in Georgia? Yeah, so you guys know yard sailing. Um, okay, so maybe you're not a yard sale guru. Sports, and you've got your recliner, you've got your popcorn machine, you've got your fridge pack, and you are the sports guy. That is your passion. You like to watch the Tampa Bay Lightning having a phenomenal season and then do absolutely nothing in the playoffs, all right? I just had to get that out, okay? just had to get that out. I'm sorry. But 
maybe your football, all right? So you don't even have your hopes up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all right? So you're just like, okay, you know, no hope. But so you're dedicated, you're passionate, you set your DVR, you record your games, you arrange your schedule. Um, some of you, it's not a sports thing. Some of you are Hobby Lobby. How many of you are Hobby Lobby ladies? All right, Hobby Lobby people. Um, when Natalie says, yeah, I'm just going to go the afternoon, I'm going to swing by Hobby Lobby. There's no swinging by Hobby Lobby, all right? And I know that means danger, all right? So some of you are Hobby Lobby experts. Um, Pinterest, some of you are Pinterest peeps, all right? And you just work at that. Um, some of you are like, what language is he speaking up there, all right? Hobby Lobby, Pinterest, um, Exercise, any of you really dedicated to eating well and exercising? Okay, I can point you out at there. Okay, yeah, you're, you eat well, you exercise. So how many of you would say, I do exercise and try to eat well? Would you raise your hand? All right, okay, a few of you. How many of you say, the person next to me needs to exercise and eat well? All right, do this, all right, do this number. Okay, good. At least we are honest in church today. You know, the reality is some of you are really passionate about baking and cooking, grill masters. Some of you got the best grills in town. And so we know what it's like to be dedicated and passionate to something. So these ladies, they were passionate. They were dedicated. Nothing was going to get in their way. They were fully committed to that. And in verse number three, they were not expecting to find Jesus gone. Okay? So their, their hope was not, oh, ladies, Let's get there first thing in the morning because I bet as soon as we get there, the stone's rolled away and the grave is empty and he is gone. Let's be the first to see this because I can't wait to tell my sewing club on Wednesday. All right, that's not what the ladies had in mind. They were totally committed, expecting to find Jesus' body still there. They brought the sweet spices to anoint his body and their, their only plan was to do that. But what they were about to encounter would bring them life-changing hope. Something that showed that hope was seen through their commitment. And the story continues in verses 4 through 6. And hope was seen through their discovery. Because in their discovery, they found that the stone was rolled away. What an incredible discovery to find that what they thought was going to take place was not really there. Now, Jesus, we, we might ask the question, why do we think that the stone was rolled away? And the answer, easy answer would be so Jesus could walk out of the grave, out of the tomb. But actually, when you study John, he was able to walk through material items. He would walk through walls, through doorways uh, that were closed. So the, roll, the stone rolled away was not so Jesus could come out, but rather so the eyes on the outside could see that Jesus was gone. So that it would be very clear that the eyewitness account to the empty tomb could not be denied so that others could see in that it was totally empty. Now, can you imagine for those ladies this very incredible sight, very shocking sight? When they would walk, in, walk there, they were, whoa, what, what is going on? You said he, he's been crucified and, 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 and now you say he's gone, he's risen. The stones rolled away, they peek in and this is one of those moments like, what has taken place? We've all encountered those moments in life. You, you know the emotion that takes place when you walk up to the site of something that was unexpected. Um, let me give you some examples. Whoever thought this was a good idea to give babies spaghetti is like they walk into that site and they're like, what has happened? Right? It's just asking for disaster. Now, whoever thought it would be a good idea and never thought something bad would happen when you give a couple of little boys paint, 
All right? So when little boys end up with paint and just three minutes of quiet time, this is what can happen. That's one of those scenes where a mom walks in and they're like, whoa, and very shocked. How about uh, moms, uh, ladies, or anybody ever had somebody say, hey, you just sit back and relax. I'm going to make you supper. I'm going to make you a meal. I'll make you lunch. I'll make you breakfast. Stay in bed, breakfast in bed. And you're like, oh boy, I know I'm going to walk into the kitchen and it's going to look like a disaster. And uh, we won't ask you to admit that because that'll hurt people's feelings, okay? But uh, that's happened. Hurricanes come through. Uh, bad storms come through. Um, some of you maybe have experienced this. This is a terrible sight when you walk out and you see a big tree on your vehicle. And that's one of those emotional moments. You're like, what has just happened? What took place? Uh, my Ferrari letting us use a picture of your car. We appreciate that today. All right, thank you. But uh, the sight of the empty tomb, that, that would have been shock of all shocks. Because you've got to think about the emotion again. Yeah, we were like, oh, no, the baby's got spaghetti hanging from their nose. And, and yeah, we're like, oh, the kids have got paint all over their body. And, and we're like, a tree has destroyed the car. Um, and those are things that are shocking. But when we go through an emotional experience of knowing that all hope had been gone and erased, where all of Jesus' followers, the disciples, one has betrayed him, sold him for 30 pieces of silver so that the soldiers could come to the Garden of Gethsemane and capture him. And then another one of his disciples, who was the, was the stand strong no matter what and made a unity came, Peter definitely denied Christ. And then the other disciples, other than one, would, would run out of fear. They would hide. They didn't want any part of what Jesus was experiencing with being uh, thrown at a guilty verdict when he was being judged and then being bit, beaten and then being hung on a cross. And so you got to remember, all of this hope was erased. It was gone. It was like, I, I, I thought it was going to end so differently. The people of Israel even thought that this Jesus was going to take on a physical throne and rescue them from the Roman rule. And so when this Jesus actually died, I mean, even the, the low-life thief on the other side of Jesus Christ had the knowledge to know that this man was powerful and said, why don't you just get down off this cross? Why don't you rescue yourself and rescue us if you're this some Jesus? And so there was knowledge that Jesus was different, that he could do stuff. But then when he died, they wondered whose voice would it be like Lazarus when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, after several days of being dead, came back to life. So like that voice of Jesus is no longer there. What's going to happen now? So the emotion is great. The women are just going through their, uh, their, their steps because they're committed and they're dedicated. And then when they see this empty tomb, it's an amazing discovery for them. When I think about us in our discovery, when you come to a passage like John 3.16, what an amazing discovery of hope. The first two words for God, that's incredible hope. The last two words, everlasting life, that's incredible living hope. And when you think of everything in between, it builds the sandwich of all hope for mankind. When you think of the first part, for God so loved the world, that love is an incredible love. That is love beyond comparison. It's a love that is too hard to match. It's a love that is overwhelming. It's a love that changes lives. It's a love that can take any past, any story, any history. It can take any record, and this love can make it anew. This is a love that can take any sinner, any struggler, any seeker, and bring them to a place of great peace and hope and transformation. 
That's this kind of love. This love that says that God so loved all world, the whole mankind, is what Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated, commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, Jesus Christ died for us. So Jesus Christ was the substitute in our place. Well, the verse of hope continues because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, who is this son? Who is this man? What is so special about this man? And his name is Jesus. The word Jesus means savior. He's our Messiah. He came to rescue He came to rescue weary hearts. He came to rescue broken lives. He came to take strangers and make them friends. He came to take and to seek and to save that which was lost. That man is Jesus, and he saves people from their sins. And his special role, he even said while he lived here on earth, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He would, the thief comes not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. He says, but I am come, Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, that you might have life and live it to the fullest. Some people say, I want nothing to do with God because it constrains me, but it's the complete opposite. You see, you're living, you're you're sitting among people whose lives are not constrained by law. They're living a life by grace of God, which gives them the freedom to live for him. Guess what happens in your life when Jesus takes part? No longer do you crave the things that break God's heart. No longer do you crave the things that separate you from God because you have become a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that is what Jesus does. He is that man. You may say, well, why does Jesus matter? Plenty, even along the knowledgeable preacher, you would know that there are hundreds of world religions. There are plenty, even along the smorgasbord of Lakeland Highlands Road, by which you can choose any church that will tell you anything about eternal life. Then you will say, there's plenty of gods out there. There's plenty of saviors out there. There's plenty of ways to heaven out there. And you may say that that's your solution and that's your option. But let me un- help you to understand who Jesus is, and why Jesus matters. Why does Jesus matter? Because he is God and he loves you. So Jesus is not just some prophet. Jesus is not just some good man that lived thousands of years ago. Jesus is not just some history fact or figure. Jesus is God the creator in man form in flesh, living a sinless life. Why? Because he loves you. So why does Jesus matter? Because he's God. And he loves you. Secondly, because he desires to come into your life and to save you. Do you realize that today Jesus wants to be your rescuer? Some of you are drowning in the sea of life. And you're trying to wait until you can figure it out on your own. You're hoping that your man-made floaties are going to keep you bobbing up long enough to where everything's going to be fine. The lifeboat has pulled up and the rescuer, Jesus, me by. I don't need any help right now. Everything's going to be fine because look at my little arm buoys. I'm going to do just fine out here on my own. And something's going to happen in your life. Something's going to pop your little buoys. Something's going to cause you to sink. And you're going to be wondering where that rescuer is. 
There's coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I can guarantee you, sir or ma'am, on the other side of eternity, when you take your last breath here on earth, there's not going to be an opportunity for you to have a discourse with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that says, wait a minute, I attended an Easter service in 2019. Wait a minute, I gave in the offering plate. Wait a minute, I was a pretty good moral person. Did you see how I treated my in-laws? Did you see how I treated my mother? Did you see how I, what I did for older people? Did you see all of that? There's never going to be that opportunity for a second chance on the other side of eternity. One of the things that I dreaded growing up was, um, was even the thought of having to go to summer school. And there was never the desire that said, okay, I've got to stick with it. I've got to accomplish the task and I've got to finish well because the last thing I want to be doing on my summer break is summer school. Now, what I'm learning is that people use summer school to advance themselves. And I'm like, I don't, know, I don't want that either, okay? So let me just stick with the book. You know, there's a reason why it's in these months, and there's a reason why there's vacation, okay? But there's no summer school in eternity. There's no redo. There's no second chance. There's no other opportunity. Today, under the preaching of the gospel message, you have had your opportunity to hear that Jesus is God and he loves you. And that he so desires to be your rescuer and to come into your life and save you. So why does Jesus matter? Also because he died and he rose again to pay for your sins. Now the verse continues that whosoever believes in him. Wow. Believing that Christ died for your sins is a step of faith. And you say, well, I don't know if I can believe like you believe. Now, I don't know if I have that faith. You know, we live so much of our lives with a lot of faith. We sit there at the, green, at the red light waiting for it to turn green, and we move forward when it turns green having a lot of faith that everybody else on the road is going to do their part, stopping, going, and functioning. When you walked in this morning, you came to your pew, you came to your chair, and you didn't think twice. You put your stuff down, and you plopped down, trusting that the chair would do its part because it's been confirmed that it's a good seat for you to sit in. So there's a lot of things that we do in life based on trust and faith. And if you can trust and, and by faith function in the day-to-day -day moments of your life, don't you want to trust in a God creator with your eternity? I mean, think about that. Like our life here on earth is, is short. We know the tragic stories. Some who lose their life in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s. Some who live into their 70s, 80s, and 90s. Some even into the hundreds. But we're not guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible reminds us and refreshes our mind that we're not promised tomorrow. Our life is like a vapor. It appears for a moment and it vanishes away. It's gone. So what are you doing with your eternity? Believing in Christ. This is a step of faith. Romans 10 tells us this. He says, that if you will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the selfless sacrifice was made because of the penalty that had been paid on our part. Now Jesus is offering that for you. Now folks, it is not about believing in God. Because the Bible tells us that even the devil and the demons believe in God. How could they not? 
So the devil and his demons, his fallen angels, they believe in God. So today it's not, how many of you believe in God? We raise our hand, grab hand in hand and say with me, today I believe in God. And we walk out, I'll see you in heaven one day. Unfortunately, that's not the magic wand. So it's not believing in God, it's believing God. For God proclaimed that there is one and only way to heaven, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. Here's what happens on earth today, is people don't want to believe God for his proclamation. They want to believe self for our own provisions. So what can I accomplish so that the scales of eternity to weigh out on my, on my behalf? It just doesn't work that way. And you say, well, that's your belief and I'll take mine. But let me tell you this very truth is that the absolute truth of God's word is what has given us this transformation and change in our life that we can emphatically and passionately live for Jesus each and every day. Now, we're not robots here. We're unified in our heart and our spirit because we serve one God, the name of Jesus Christ, and we proclaim the gospel message. So yeah, we're unified, but we're very diverse. We're very different from one another. So here's the reality. It doesn't mean that you become some robot today. It's just that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. The verse continues, should not perish, but have everlasting life. A relationship that changes everything. Now, some of you have relationships that change a lot of things. Some things for good and some things for bad. And when you think of those relationships, you think, yeah, there's a lot of change that has happened in my life because of this person or because of this person. But when you look at this relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a relationship that literally changes everything. Ephesians 4 tells us that the, 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 we don't lie anymore. We speak truth. Um, we don't steal, but we work. He says that we're kind and tenderhearted and we're forgiving. Um, because Christ has changed us, no longer do we let anger and bitter and, and, uh, and wrath and, and clamor and evil speaking, uh, malice, none of that is a part of our lifestyle. None of that is a, a part of how we function. Do we get angry at times? Yeah. Uh, are there times that we live in the flesh as Christians? Yes, there are. Are there times that we fall? Sure, that's probably very true. But we don't live habitual lifestyles of being controlled by anger and bitterness, hatred and envy. We don't live habitual lifestyles that are completely in rebellion against God. Why? Because Jesus has changed us. That's a living hope. And so the verse finishes by telling us that this everlasting life is not going to come by man, but going to come because of what Jesus did. In verse number six, the angel gave the women the opportunity to be eyewitnesses of this truth. Charles Spurgeon, 20 ear witnesses. Men will believe what you have seen if they do not believe what you have heard. An eyewitness will bring so much more clout, backing, and power to the story than even 20 ear witnesses. They say, well, this is what somebody told me. This is what I heard happened. So these women were able to go in and see. Do you want to be an eyewitness today? Do you want to know what living hope looks like? Sir or ma'am, if you're a seeker today, just look around you. Uh, look, up, look here at the platform, look at people around you, and you can see your eyewitnesses to lives that have been completely changed. Do you want to know some inside scoop? I'm not going to point them out, but there are people in this crowd of us who used to be addicts who God came in and changed their life. 
Addicted to alcohol, no longer desire even a drop. Addicted to, to drugs and even dealt drugs, no longer even a thought. Addicted to pornography and illicit sex, who now have been able to walk away in the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, adulterers, liars, thieves, murderers, hatred, all of that in this group right here, as you look around, you will see that we look prim and proper as we sing our songs. We stand, we sit, and we shake hands, we smile, we do everything we're supposed to, but deep down inside our hearts is a transformation that Jesus Christ is doing because of his amazing grace and amazing work. And so we're nothing in ourselves. You're looking at a pastor, a preacher, a leader who is very weak and very crumbled at the core. It is only by God's grace that I am who I am. It is only by his leading, his prodding, his pushing today to proclaim this truth. So why do I tell you that? It's because too often we look at this whole religious experience. We look at this whole God thing and we think God could never love me. I mean, if you just take my backpack and open it up and you just, woo, that was last week. Let's zip that one back up and I'll just carry this guilt for the rest of my life. And we say, well, you know what? Jesus Christ can take away. Let me, let me see in your backpack and whoa, that's a shocking moment. And we zip it up and we say, just lay that at the feet of the cross. <laughs> there is no sin that Christ did not die for. There is, is no person that Jesus' blood was not shed for. You see, this living hope is given as a gift to all mankind for our receiving by faith and trust in him. The last thought here in verses 7 and 8 is that hope was seen through their announcement. There's a lot of things here with this responsibility to proclaim that we serve a risen Savior, that God is alive and not dead, that, that, is, that Christ is a personal friend and involved in my life, that he's a, a mighty God, he's an everlasting being, that he's the creator of all and the controller of everything, and that he is loving, passionate, merciful, and gracious, and yet he is just, sovereign, and never fails us. There's a lot for us to proclaim. But in closing, I want you to see something that's incredible that is in this text for purpose. It's in verse number eight excuse me, verse number seven. He says, but go your way and tell who? His disciples and Peter. Huh. Well, now that seems a little strange. I mean, Peter's one of the disciples. It makes sense why the angel would say, go tell the disciples. I mean, those would want to be some of the first that would hear this incredible news that your, your, your teacher, your rabbi, your Jesus, your, your friend is no longer dead, but he's back to life. He is risen. But there's a reason why Peter was pointed out. Do you remember what happened three days earlier? You remember that, that Peter faced the opportunity to stand bold for the name of Jesus Christ? Do you remember the opportunities that Peter had to say yes I'm proudly a follower of Jesus. But what happened? He melted. Different times. The very foundation just, just crumbled away. And three different times, he denied knowing Jesus. He denied that any change in his life had happened because of that Jesus. He denied having any friendship with that Jesus. He denied having any part of who that so now, when Jesus has come back to life, the angel doesn't say, ladies, go tell his disciples, and by the way, 
you warn that Peter guy because Jesus is back to life and he's come with a vengeance. That was not Jesus. So why then do you think the angel tells them, tell disciples and Peter? I, I think it's just, it's, it's oozing with living hope. It's dripping with reassurance. It is, is dripping with grace. It is saturated with the love of who Jesus is. Because remember, Peter was forgiven. Remember, there was no remembrance. His sins has been removed as far as east is from the west, buried in the deepest part of the sea. And he chooses to remember our sins no more, no longer. So quit coming to Jesus and saying, you know, my life is a mess. It's always been a mess, and there's nothing you can do with me. No, instead, you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am nothing without you, and I need you to change who I am. And I will be a work in progress, taking the hammer and the chisel and chiseling away till I can become more like you. That's the Christian life. So don't come today hoping to be perfect because there's nobody here that is perfect. Don't come today thinking you have to achieve some level in order to be saved. No, this living hope is offered as a free gift to all. I wanted to show you this a little gift bag that I got this week on Wednesday night. Now, Wednesday night, we were in our service, our midweek service, and I was sitting in that back section, and uh, we were having separate prayer times, and so I was praying with Severo and Jim. We were praying for our Easter weekend yesterday, today, and, um, and uh, we prayed for beautiful weather. Um, whoever prayed for beautiful weather last week, I want you to be praying for a bunch of things for me now, okay? So let's just team up here. And... Um, and so Jim Bryant handed me this gift bag, and he said, I said, how was your anniversary? And he said, oh, it was good. We got to do some things. And I said, well, I sent you an anniversary card. It probably won't get to you. And he's like, oh, well, here's a gift for you. And I'm like, oh, well, happy anniversary. Thank you for my gift. You know, I was like, I was just trying to talk to you about your day, not, not for me to get a gift. And so he gave me this gift. And so it was beautifully wrapped in, in bubble wrap. And, um, and so... Um, they didn't use tissue paper, but they did use bubble wrap because now, now because it was a very heavy glass jar in here. Now, I thought on Thursday morning, I thought, okay, I want to tell the church about this, and so I'm going to hold off from opening this um, because um, I want to be able to pull it out, but I chips, <laughs> all right? And so they sat in my office on Thursday, and I, I thought, okay, I will hold off so that I can pull this jar out and, uh, and show it to them. And uh, Thursday afternoon, I was like, nope, pop it open, and I ate 20 pickles. And then I had to put it in the refrigerator, and so it's in the refrigerator right now. But that's not what's important. What is important is this. I remember he gave me the gift, and I was so excited to look in and see that this glass jar of pickles, which was about yay big, was covered in this, this bubble wrap, and it was presented to me. And I said, is this, this for me? And he's like, yeah, it's a gift for you. And I'm like, well, what do I have to do? Like, do I, do I need to pay you for them? I mean, that's, a, that's an expensive jar of pickles. He's like, no, it's a gift for you. Like, well, do I, need to, do I need to do anything? Do you want some of these pickles? You know, do I have to give back some of these pickles to you? He's like, no, you have them. Enjoy them. He's like, I know, I know you like them. I'm like, yeah, I love these things. And um, so what I thought about this week, though, with this, with this gift is that sometimes we think that... Um, that gifts that are meaningful have to be big and beautiful, and they have to have the things that were like, and, and they have to have a really nice, pretty bow, and, and they have to be um, really some things that were like, this is amazing, I can't handle this experience. But you know what? Sometimes the best gifts come 
in ways that are just come with heart and meaning. And the old rugged cross is one of those gifts. Body of Jesus. Nothing pretty about the cross. Nothing. When you think about the shattered body of Jesus that was broken, beaten, and despised, shattered by blood dripping in every part, to where he wasn't even recognized as a human being on that cross. That's the gift that is offered to you today. He says the living hope is that Jesus died on your account. He died in place for you and for me. But what I love so much about the symbol of Christianity is that we look to that cross, but guess what? It's an empty cross. Don't wear the cross that's got Jesus hanging. Jesus was taken off that cross 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus was taken off that cross, so many people had mixed emotions. There were the Roman soldiers who thought, mission accomplished. There were the Israelite Pharisees, the leaders, who thought, finally, his mouth is shut and he is done. There was the devil, who, by the way, is not all-knowing. So the devil at that moment thought he had victory. The angelic, demonic horse of supernatural world are laughing, rejoicing as they take a broken body of Jesus off the cross. Disciples have scattered. A mother of Jesus is weeping. She's being comforted from John the Beloved. There are people who are hopeless, wondering what has just taken place. And they bury his body in a borrowed tomb. And they go on with life. The enemy thought he had victory. The followers thought they had defeat. But three days later, just as he had always said, he came out of that tomb alive and victorious. So the enemy who thought he won, he's now wringing his hands figuring out what has taken place. The followers who thought they had lost are now looking into the tomb to see what is going on. Jesus arrives and gives them great peace and comfort, shows them the holes in his side, his feet, his hands, and he is now alive. That's living hope, and that is offered to all mankind today. So my question, sir or ma'am, follower of Jesus Christ, are you proclaiming the powerful gospel message that your Jesus is alive? Sir or ma'am, as a seeker today, trying to grasp this whole God thing, Get past this religious experience and understand that Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And this personal relationship with Jesus Christ will change your life forever. That's living hope.